morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Heavy Hole. My name's Tom. Or is it good morning? We'll find out. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. What's up? Happy Friday, Metalheads, dude. This is Just Man, Heavy Hole Podcast. Tuesday night, the Friday. Not Friday. How you doing? You guys are confusing me. Stop. We gotta, we gotta start. <laughs> Heavy Hole is Tom. I'm Will. He's Justin. It's Tuesday. Let's get extreme. It's Friday. Yeah. What's up, motherfuckers? It's the most extreme podcast you ever heard. We're going to talk some shit. What's up with those riffs? I like how the intro has been going off the rails. Yeah. Um, listen, into we, it. We're getting worse at this uh, part. But the rest of the show is good. And that's why you're here. It's kind of like just warming up. We're getting all that energy out and throwing up in a dumpster before we go in and do the show. Right. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I just saw a sweet sponsored ad on my feed, man. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> let's let's do this now. Oh, you it don't was mention. for a Leatherman. Yeah, they know oh, you. Boy. I'm thinking about they getting a new one. I keep bringing my Leatherman to the beach. My Leathermen to the beach. Did you go to the beach this weekend? No. Okay. I don't want to talk about this weekend. But I keep oh, in the past. I keep bringing Leathermen to the beach. Right. Mm. <laughs> to become a leather man. Different than a leather daddy, my leather yeah. men. And yeah, uh, for the and listeners, they, they get all rusty. They get rusted up, so I gotta keep buying leather mans. For the right. listeners, a leather man is a form of knife. Form of tool. Yes. By the way. He cuts. Yes. Yeah. You might know uh, you may have heard it in such songs as uh, fucked with a leather man. Yeah. Oh boy. I, <laughs> I missed the remix. I'm going uh, in I'm going into a field and stream. Uh, it's I'll go tomorrow and I'll I'll be like, Where are your leather daddies? I need to. I need multiple tools in one in my pocket. They'll know what's up. I need a big multiple tool in my pocket. Awesome. All right. Well, <laughs> Tom, how was your weekend? Ah, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I let's see. I told you guys before we're rolling. I was, I'm going to the gym, and I've been listening to nothing at the gym, just mm. buying headphones to. Put in my ears so no one will talk to, to me. To avoid socialization. I like it. Yeah, you see, the, the gym is loud, and i got to preserve my ears. i got a lot of blast beats to listen to, a lot of True. scooter to listen to. So yeah. I'd rather do it in a comfortable environment. So I've been doing that. Oh, you know what I did? This is going to date the episode, but I watched the St. Vitus live stream. Oh, the uh, Baggot Stomp uh, uh, label supported uh, yes. uh, theme. Yep. One yep. with death uh, on death. Yeah, dudes. all those stabs. Yeah, Rock all the homies. Slate. Yeah, St. Vitus. Everyone was there. Yeah. Oh, Mourned was good. I never actually heard Mourned. See something they, new. They were good. Violent Fourth, of course, just bringing the energy, yeah. doing it. Yeah, technically a Long Island band, as long as uh, that one member is from Long Island. Yeah, I'll so it them. works. It was uh, it was a cool stream. Actually, I watched it with my my. Um, my father and mother-in-law. They were curious. Hmm, we wow. watched it outside. Um, hmm. Look at this. Hooked up the TV, cranked it. Okay. Father-in-law's okay. like, look at these drummers. They're going. You know, wow. they're open-minded. Wow. They watched wow. the whole show. Family bonding. I enjoy that. Did it's they nice. Yeah. Did they stand there with their arms crossed by any chance watching the show? It's a good question. Yeah, they, you know them. They're a bunch of tough guys. <laughs> they really are Long Island tough guys. What about Maggot Stomp, uh, the label? Are they, like, su- supporting the label now? Are they buying the merch? They're buying the merch? Mm-hmm. Well, that's when I'm going to get them. Oh, For I get any, any event moving Christmas. Yeah. You remember how much you loved Stabbed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember I said I knew those guys? They were nice nice men? Yeah. Stabbed, <laughs> Stabbed strikes me like the type of death metal band that could pull off, uh, like, the collegiate football jackets. Oh, totally. That hardcore bands usually are associated with. 
Stabbed could they have a, they have a crossover thing? I think. Yeah. What my one thing? I just got to say, whoever did the sound on this live stream did a great job. It sounded Amazing. really good. Hmm. Speaking of, uh, that sounds great, Tom. Speaking of sound, that sounds great. But speaking of crossover, Will, did you watch the new Space Jam this week? No, I did not watch the new Space Jam this week, Justin. No, I didn't. Did you? I saw part of it. You found time. I saw a little bit of it. <laughs> you found time. Huh? Yeah, I saw, part, I saw like a second or two of it. Uh, you part, watched the part with Rick and Morty? Uh, yeah, I saw, that, whoa, that, yeah, I saw that part. Rick and Morty are in the new Space Jam? Dude, there is a lot of references. Are they really? I'm not sure. I, I saw something online. I don't know if it's real, but... Rick I don't Mo- think that's. I watched no. two thirds of it. Can confirm, yes. Really? Yeah. For they're in it for <laughs> they're in it for more than you should watch. It, they're doing it for the, for us, but also the movie is also for us. So I'm not well, exactly sure they're doubling no, down. Wait, it's the for Metalocalypse kids. guys aren't in it, right? Well, they're, yeah, they're not right. like it's a lot of like Warner Brothers property that kind of makes an appearance. All right. I mean, if they were doing it for us, the Metalocalypse guys. Would be they, yeah. yeah. It, pretty much Don Heedle's running the show. Okay. Uh, maybe Don Cheadle should be working. I'm saying it like Philip Heedle, oh, like from, uh, listen. from the New York Rangers. Uh, the world <laughs> is a wide and varied place with enough room for Rick and Morty to be in Space Jam, I guess. I just weird. I'm not digesting that. If you um, if you uh, if you love the internet, you should watch this movie. Yeah, if you well, don't, you shouldn't. <laughs> I I I love that the internet allows me to continually access worldwide death metal and grindcore from across the globe and my own backyard. And today we're going to get a little bit more of a taste of that as we interview the one and only Max Cohane, drummer and vocalist extraordinaire. You might know him from his work. In Faceless Burial, Internal Rot, maybe the OGs know about Agents of Abhorrence, I don't know. There's also other stuff that goes on with experimental pianos, a record store, the famed The Searches in Melbourne. Uh, We're going to get him on the horn and we're going to talk about all this stuff. And it's going to be a totally different time of day for him, it's crazy. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a good day. Yeah, Drill a hole to the bottom of the earth, all the way through it. Run a run a string, and, and we're going to use two cans old school, all right? Let's do it. I'm about to get shot. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my co-hosts Tom and Justin, as yeah. always. And today our special guest is none other than Max Cohane of Faceless Burial, Internal Rot, formerly of Agents of Abhorrence, and the record store Searches in Melbourne, Australia. Did I get all that correct, Max? You, you did indeed. Excellent, Thanks, man. I, I was a little scared of the word abhorrence, but uh, but I got I think I nailed it, so we're good. Um, all but, good. But how, how are you doing today? How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Just, um, you know, up and about. It's about 10 a.m. here, and uh, the dogs are out, so they're not going to pester me. And um, all good, yeah. I got to admit, I did I did cyberstalk you like I do all our guests to take notes, and uh, you got you recently got a new dog, right? Yes, I did. I, I got a, um, 
I got a, a new pup. She's a uh, she's pretty brutal actually. She's a she's a ten month old Leonberger, so she's a big girl. Uh, really uh, putting me through the ringer at the moment. It, it's the and that's the only one of that breed born in Australia or or something that year. Did I get that right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. We, we took her because she was the only one born in Australia uh, during the lockdown, uh, well, during the pandemic last year. And we weren't really sure about taking her or not, but we took the punt. And uh, yeah, she's kicking our ass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I could talk about dogs all night, but then the listeners would be yeah, a little, me too. The, the listeners, the cat people would be pissed. So we got it. We got to dice it up about all the grindcore and death mm. metal and all that sort of thing. And the punk and the experimental piano grindcore. I'm, I told you I cyber oh, yeah. I cyber you. Did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But but uh, before we get into all that, it's got to start somewhere. Just like it started for your puppy. Uh, are you from a particular musical family, or maybe was there anyone in your upbringing that might have steered you towards music or hard rock, heavy metal, punk, things like that? Um. Yeah. Uh, like. No, not really. No. I haven't had any. Um, there's no. Uh, immediate family that played an instrument um, but my dad I mean pretty much I was raised by my dad and um, he had, he was a record collector so I guess in, in that way I was surrounded by music um, at an early age you know you know, pretty much inundated by music and uh, you know going out to shows and you know stuff like that but no one no one played an instrument around me. All right. And so that that's interesting. So your dad collects records. I mean, I I always tell people I don't collect records. I collect metal. So like, was your dad into a specific yeah. genre or was your dad just all over the place? Like, like, tell me about your dad's record collection before we get into right. yours. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll do that. So, um, you know, he, he was into every, he's, he's into everything. He's still, he's still collecting um, music and uh, not as much as he used to, but uh, he, he had a he had a pretty decent, you know, like for 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 a dad, he had a pretty good collection of like punk, um, you know, nothing outrageous, you know, you know, but you know, jazz, a lot of jazz, a lot of hip hop, like eighties hip hop, a lot of um, you know, a lot of country stuff like that. But you know, it was it was a big collection, and he shared he, he shared records between. Uh, him and my uncle, so they were they were pretty uh, influential, especially at a young age for me. Okay, and I I take it I know that searches your record store is located in uh, Melbourne, Australia, right? That is correct. Yes. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, yeah. I was born and bred um, in uh, like downtown. I guess you would call it Melbourne CBD. Um, yeah, kind of. I'm trying to think of the equivalent in New York or something, but pretty central, really central. So like maybe like a Williamsburg or a, um, you know, Lower East Side type situation. <laughs> I don't know, like really close, uh, close to everything, you know, close to shows, close to music record stores and all that stuff. Okay, so you just kind of answered my next question there because um, oh. I always ask people, you know, if I'm not familiar with the area, is it more rural, more urban? So it sounds like it's more of an urban area. Uh, with um, access to different aspects of culture, music, that sort of thing, then. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. So the area was kind of um, it's called Carlton. It was primarily it was a Jewish and Italian area growing up, uh, and it was just it, you could it was kind of you could go anywhere uh, from that particular zone. 
and just you know discover different stuff you know because I was I'm an only child as well which kind of uh, helped having you know access to my dad's records and given the freedom of the area to go and explore um, and you know sink my teeth into you know the music of Melbourne and the shops located uh, in a pretty pretty close to where I grew up actually that's awesome that, that must be that must be a cool feeling man yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. To, it's good to go back. I don't live there anymore. Uh, you know, like a lot of uh, kind of inner city areas. You know, people people who grew up and have roots there um, finally get priced out or moved on. But you know, it's the same situation. A lot of lot of cities, a lot of big cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-oh. And well, now tell us a little bit about how you eventually end up. Well, well what comes first? Um, more extreme music and more underground music, or playing? Uh, the, the drums, which which are drums your first instrument? Yeah, yes, drums are the only instrument I've ever uh, have ever kind of gravitated towards. Uh, I never really got lessons properly, uh, but yeah, drums are, drums are the one. And did you start playing drums before you started getting into like punk, hardcore, grind, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, I think I think my dad could tell that I had like you know. A nervous, fidgety kind of, <laughs> you know, attitude and, and, and kind of, you know, I was interested in music. I never really, like, had anything else to gravitate towards. So it was kind of just out of necessity. It wasn't really about I really want to play in a fast punk band at the time because I was pretty young when I started playing, I think. I can't really remember the age, but, you know, I was just a sponge for, like, you know, music at that point. So anything was good. Okay, and so where does like um, uh, where does that the type of extreme music that you're more associated with now come in? Mm. Uh, oh, oh, geez, there's a kind of a long-ish story, but primarily it was. Um, well, I started. Well, how do I phrase this? Anything that was fast for me was was like uh, good. So basically, from from an early age, I was really into rap, and that was from my dad. And then uh, I got into uh, Ice T, Body Count came, and then basically from there, like you know, I couldn't believe how heavy and stuff that was. So I, you know, kind of shifted, shifted slowly in, uh, into anything that was fast, what was good. Um, yeah. Okay, and sorry, I missed the question. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm just trying to get a feel for what it was like uh, coming of age, being a young man where, where you grew up, and getting into grindcore, getting into punk rock, oh, yeah, power yeah. violence, the record stores, the venues, yeah. the, uh, and the touring bands that may or may not have come through. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was all kind of. Um, I think I was started going to shows when I was around 16, 17. Um, Maybe a bit, or actually quite a bit younger, um, but there were in Melbourne. It felt like you know you would go see a touring band, and you could go see the matinee show when you're underage, and you know you'd see a band that was you know, like a you know a hardcore band, and you'd see a band that would be a grindcore band or a band that was like fast thrashy punk, um, and it all kind of molded into one thing for me at that point. So it was all uh, you know. It was a lot to take, take in, um, but it was it was all pretty amazing for me. You know, I was okay. also close. 
Is um, Agents of Abhorrence your uh, first band? Uh, no, no, they that was um, a grind band. I started uh, around 2004, uh, and I started playing. I started playing in bands when I was around 15, 14, 15. So, but there's been a few bands before that um, that had uh, molded my experience a bit. Band, I was in a band called Barleth Limit for a while. They were kind of like hardcore thrash kind of thing. I started with some mates um, when I was around 16. Okay, was was Agents of Abhorrence uh, maybe a little bit more serious? Well, it just seems like it has more recorded output and a bit of a reputation. Uh, was that like was was that in a way a band that you took seriously maybe more than some of the previous uh, projects? Um, it was definitely the band that had. That we pushed hard to get out, you know what I mean. Uh, I, f- I feel like it was a band that we, our like objective was to see the world and you know make connections, record as much as possible, and just you know put in the grind, you know put in put in the time to like um, you know play as many places as we could. That was definitely my first band that I felt like you know maybe this is something that like people <laughs> maybe there's something people will enjoy outside of melbourne you know what i mean um <laughs> but oh yeah yeah <laughs> well i mean you say you say it like that but um is it true that melbourne is is has a very healthy scene for kind of maybe bands in the more power violence spectrum of grindcore yeah definitely i mean uh, melbourne's melbourne's always had a pretty decent uh like you know, a lot of extreme music's come from Melbourne, you know, from, even from, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's got a, it's, it's a healthy, it's a healthy music, uh, you know, city. So it's, it's, it's always been kind of known for that, especially in Australia, amongst Australians. But, um, yeah, I mean, stuff like, you know, any, any you know, stuff like The Kill, mm-hmm. um, Kudabare, uh, Kudabare, you know. <laughs> good. I have their, you know, their, I have their first uh, album. I think it was on Razorback Records. Yeah, yeah, Ra- Razorback. That's the one. Yeah, um, Fing- you know, finger food for the morbidly obese, right? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah it's... I think it was with a lady or something in the fridge. Um, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, pretty much uh, a lot of our like, uh, yeah, Melbourne's Melbourne's got some good stuff. Let's just say that you know, necrotomy, disembowelment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a history. Magnesite. Yeah, there's, there's enough there to like go back and look on. And um, that was definitely um, all, all of my uh, and our inspirations at the time. What, what I what I thought was interesting in doing the research today, um, not not that I don't believe that they were like founding members or anything, but both both uh, uh, Chris, uh, is it Christopher or Christoph and Christoph Bra- and Brad from mm. Faceless Burial did stints in Die Pigeon Die. Yes, that's true. Is yep. the, that's a Melbourne band, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're a Melbourne band. Yeah, you've done, you've definitely done your research. That's sick. Well, what's interesting yeah. to me there's there's an interesting Long Island, New York connection right in our backyard to uh, our backyard to, to to Die Pigeon Die. When they toured the United States, they came over here and um, the Communion uh, from Long Island. Mm. The the three ba- the three instrumental members of the Communion played for Die Pigeon Die. I think it was just the that's singer right. came over or something. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that one. So that, yeah. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I knew a little bit more about Die Pigeon Die than maybe some other bands from that area. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. So uh, Diet Pimp and Die went over, and um, uh, Christoph's other band. Uh, uh, I think he's played a few times in, in that area. Yeah, we Internal Rock played played a couple of shows you know, in New York and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I want to get into Internal Rock. You guys toured the U.S. in 2014, right? That's yeah, yeah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I punched up um, the tour dates, man. It's, it sounds like if if all these shows actually happened from this list of shows I got, it sounds like it was bananas, man. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, I'm trying to trying to recollect uh, what, what 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 actually happened. Well, the, uh, well, I mean, I see right off the bat. Shout to God's America from Las Vegas. Yeah, um, I've sure, been in contact sure. with uh, Artificial Brain played with them in Las Vegas, once, but we didn't play a house show. It says it says a house show. Oh uh, yeah, and yeah, it was got- a house show. <laughs> yeah, it was a house show. Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> no, no, go on, go on, man. If, you, if there's a no, if there's- I think I think we just we had landed in L.A. and then we. Uh, I'm pretty sure we just we had a show with excruciating terror. Yeah, uh, the, the next day. <laughs> I'm looking the at next the next day. Here. So we landed and we drove to uh, we, you know we drove into the desert to play the house show straight off off flight from memory, and we were kind of we had, we were a bit cooked at that time, and then it was a it was a bit of a cooked kind of house show too. There <laughs> 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 were five or ten people first show in first, first show in uh, uh, in, uh, in in America, but you know shout out to those guys for sure. A good, good warm up. I mean, Excruciating Terror is one of my personal favorite bands. I saw that, man. I thought that was cool. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, before we get into all that, man, um, mm. Agents of Abhorrence. Uh, you know, you guys strike out. How how did, how far did you guys get from home with touring? <coughs> uh, Agents, we did. Um, you know, we we did a lot of touring. Uh, we we tried to get, like I said, we tried to get out there as much as we possibly could. Um, both in Australia and Asia, um, and we did. I think we did two U.S. tours, maybe. Um, we did a, maybe two or three European uh, tours, or you know, uh, whatever you'd call a tour. But yeah, uh, we did a bit. We, we played Japan a number of times. Um, yeah, we, we tried to do it as much as we possibly could. Yeah, man, because that name does uh, ring bells sometimes in the power violence scene, the grindcore scene. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of looking back through uh, the history. I, no- I noticed also there was um, uh, Cut Sick, uh, kind of a hardcore band <laughs> around, around the sim- similar era, right? Yes, yeah. Cut Sick was um, a little bit, maybe a little bit later or, or kind of during mm-hmm. from memory. Um, yeah, like more of a thrash kind of uh, worship, kind of. Australian kind of thrash worship, like Mass Appeal, Hard On, stuff like that, but kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, sped up. So, uh, you're playing in these two bands, and as a drummer, I'm sure you're probably playing in a lot of other people's projects and helping out, right? Absolutely. That's always the case. Uh, yeah. And, and we know that you kind of, like, later on, um, you know, I, I looked up some other projects that I wanted to talk about, but... During this time, your father, you said, is an ongoing record collector. You end up opening the record store. Take me from you as a young man drumming in these bands, probably collecting records yourself, to opening the mm-hmm. store. What's that timeline like? Um, well, it's a pretty pretty big timeline. Uh, I would say that, uh, like, what, what what happened in that? In the, how did I get to that point? Yeah. Well. Have you always collected records like right. in a similar fashion to your father? Let's start there. Or, or was it something you picked um, up later in life? 
It was something that I, I, I did uh, from from the beginning, pretty much. But I would say that uh, my <laughs> my reluctance to continue that faded after I got my I had a burglary at the house mm. that I was living at. Um, and they took quite a few records. They kind of ransacked the whole joint. Um, and a lot of my friends were collecting at the time. A lot of people that I knew were like heavily collectors. And at that point, I felt, you know, I had, I had actually had them insured. Um, my collection was insured. But at that point, I just, the, the, the fever to like, you know, keep up or to, you know, maintain and <laughs> track down like elusive, you know, uh, you know, sick shit was um, kind of ending at that point. Like, kind of, it, it definitely ended when that happened. And I, I, it happened when I was on tour. Like, I had left the house to go on tour, and then about five, six hours later, I got a call from my housemate. So it was a planned one too. So, you know, so I mean, it, it sounds like it was allegedly an inside job then. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll never know. I've, I've always wanted to know. That's fishy. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It was it was it was a freeing moment as well. You got to take it as it comes. You know, like it was like ah, mm. oh, you know, mm. I don't need to. I don't need to. Um, you know, break bank and hustle too hard. I mean, I, and the record store just came. Uh, it kind of fell into my lap. Really, I didn't actually start it from from scratch. I was doing a lot of fairs, and I was working at a different record store um, at the time. Uh, and I just come off, you know, like like a lot of different, you know, musicians do when they come off different type of jobs to like go on tour and that. Um, I'd come off at the time like building uh, housing and stuff. And uh, yeah, the, the, I was selling records, my collection on the side, and kind of flipping stuff at, at fairs. And then um, my business partner for the searches. Uh, uh, at the time was going over to Japan quite a bit, um, which is a great place to buy records. And I'd previously bought a lot of my records on tour and uh, stuff like that in Japan. And then uh, we went over there together without being kind of connected business like and uh, just got along really well. And when I came back from that trip of buying stuff, he uh, just asked me to come on board. And that was about five years ago now. Um, yeah. So it's going well then. All right. Uh, so the shop's been here for about 12, 12 14 years, something like that. Um, so it's going pretty well. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a hustle, that's for sure. It's not, you know, yeah. especially especially uh, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you told us at the moment you're actually locked down, right? So you're not allowed to do business. Yeah, we're, we're uh, Melbourne's in its fifth lockdown right now. Oh. Uh, we did 163 days last year, which is, you know, bad, but it's not as bad as a lot of places. But um, it's, yeah, now we're locked down again. <laughs> and, well, and your store, is it, is it The Searches or Searches? Yeah, it's The Searches. The, um, the Searches of uh, Melbourne. Yeah, I want to say, do you have an online service, a mail order service? Um, we do. We're pretty, we're, we're, we're you know, we're kind of Neanderthalic in a way with um, the whole online thing, which is kick you know which we really regret uh in the covid times having not having a really good online presence for our stuff so we're trying to get that stuff uh up online but primarily you can check us out and message us on um, instagram is always a good one for us um yeah 
Okay, just to plug you guys, man. We're we're sorry that that's Thanks, uh, <laughs> you have that lap, <laughs> that lapse in business. Uh, you know, it's, it's out of your out of your hands. Um, but but moving on, um, I you know, well actually not moving on yet because you said something Keep I want to go back to. Yeah, no, you you were talking about the ra- and I don't want to bring up you know touchy memories here, but you did mention that your record collection was insured. That's something that yep. we've never we've never discussed that on the program. Um, at all, uh, the the idea and the fact that there are people who insure their record. Could you just? I don't. I mean, you know, we don't want to get into you know numbers or how much yours was insured for. But like, mm. uh, how do you go about that? Is there are there just insurance companies that specialize in that, or is it more like a homeowner's insurance add-on? Or it's um you can get it. I mean, I'm not sure what it's like in other places to be honest, but um you can get insurance. Uh, you can get contents insurance if if uh, you know. If you whatever you have, if you can, if I, I, like I have insurance for certain things, like my drums or you know things like that. Um, it wasn't. I would. I wouldn't say it was. Uh, you know, like when I when I say I had insurance on my records, it, it didn't nearly cover <laughs> what was taken. It was more of a you know. A, I think for me it was just like I you know got a little bit back, but not much, and it was just a. Um, a change in course, you know what I mean? Like a not not stressing too hard about you know feening for feening for garbage that I don't really need. I, I hear. I'm just wondering, like, if you're just if you're if you're, you're like you know, kind of screenshotting your Discogs account to prove how much they're worth <laughs> to the insurance agent or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. I had to do a little bit of that, but this was prior. This was prior to Discogs being around. Um, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, it wasn't a success. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Well, I I don't want to grill you too much about that, man. It's, that definitely. Sucks, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. But I would just that that, that we got to look into that maybe and discuss that on on another episode about record collecting, though. There is a grift heading your way, Will. Watch yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's gonna get me for my insurance on all my old finished I, I- records. I definitely had this conversation with collectors before, and uh, I, I, I would have, you know, I think it's a good thing, you know, you don't necessarily need to own your own house, but if you have your have something, you know, you put all your your, your life blood and your life work into it, you know, maybe you got to uh, insure those tapes behind you in the closet, you know what I mean? Wow! Wow! He said he said insure those tapes behind me in the closet, as he's, though he's, he's been in your room. <laughs> I know he's I, Max, Max is scheming on my tapes here, man. Yeah. Chill. I do not own the deck. I do de- my work. What's that? I do my work, you know. I yeah. do my background. Yeah, he's going to be selling them at work at his, his records. That's it. That's it. That's it. I keep telling I keep telling Jimmy Forrester, I do not own the dead and demo. Leave me alone, man. Stay out of my stuff. But listen, get, getting back getting back to the task at hand cuz we got a lot and we yeah. got a lot of um uh, as I said, you were very popular with our Patreon listeners who wanted questions for you. Right. So, I just want to get into now um, you know, we talked about kind of setting you up for the two bands, which I think uh, our listeners might might most know you for, um, Internal Rot and Faceless Burial. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Internal Rot uh, is the first of your two current projects to, to begin. Did I get that right in 2011? Yeah, yeah. We we uh, yeah we started playing shows around 2010. We did a we did a seven inch in 2010, I think. Yeah, or something. Or maybe you're right, 2011. Was that was that kind of yeah. like right off of Agents of Abhorrence, like starting a fresh project or something like that? Yeah, definitely. So Christoph had finished doing up. Um, I mean, he was another drummer 
that's you know in a million projects. But he, he finished up the band Roscoff, and Brad finished up the band uh, Super ha- Super Happy Fun Slide or whatever you however you say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, and I was I was still I, I was still doing agents quite a bit at the time, but um, you know they needed a singer and and uh, and, and I guess. You know, we, <laughs> I was uh, available. Okay, I'm always saying yes to things. Yeah, <laughs> it's half the battle, man. You know. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, and just for um, the listeners, that's because uh, uh, you because you mentioned Christoph and Brad. Um, that, those are the two guys from Faceless Burial, right? No, they're they're the two guys from um, Internal Rock. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, all right, I got my notes yeah, crossed. Yeah, yeah. See, see, I was too, I was too proud and bragging about all my notes and everything. You're thinking about I, your tapes. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking. Hey, I'm too busy worrying <laughs> about my tapes. I'm, I'm on Discogs right now, making sure. No, listen. Uh, all apologies to Christoph and Brad. I got my notes crossed a little bit here. All right, so Christoph and Brad, um, you guys are going with Internal Rot, and you put out a number of, like there's like a self-titled EP right off the bat, live and rehearsal. Then there's the Mental Hygiene. Uh, that was an EP, right? Yes, uh, mental hy- no. Uh, mental hygiene was an album, a full album. Okay, with grindcore, yeah. sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, no, it's all the same. Yeah, but within three or four years of starting the band, you guys take off on that U.S. tour that we alluded to before. Yep, yep. Um, well, so- I mean, it, now I, we started talking about uh, how how cool the, the shows were. You played a lot of cool shows with a lot of cool bands. It seems like it was probably a very uh, DIY kind of booked tour, right? Yeah, it was. It was. We just wanted to go, you know. I think. I think that's uh, <clears throat> just um, kind of what you got to do if you're from, you know, Australia. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just, you know, you just go for it. Like you know, hassle someone or you know, um, you know, try try your best. So we we did, we we booked it primarily. We booked it ourselves. We had a little help in New York. Um, and and obviously we played MDF at one point, uh, and then um, yeah, we we drove ourselves, just hired a car, and you know just did it. And uh, I assume a lot of those connections maybe were off of the strength of networking while you were in Agents of Abhorrence and other bands, and the other guys were in other mm-hmm. projects. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Christoph knows a lot of people, especially uh, you know in. Uh, like in, in America, he's got a lot of friends over there, and uh, you know the agent stuff definitely helped. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seems like you guys spent a lot of time in California the first few days. Yeah, so Jake actually, Christoph's brother, um, Jake, who who actually sang in the last album of uh, uh, Agents Agents' last album, um, and he was in a he was in, in Roscock as well with Christoph. He was also in a, in a fucking great band called Garbage Guts, kind of more gold grind stuff. Um, but he he lives he lived for a long time in LA uh, doing animation uh, out there. So so that's the reason why we kind of we we, we pulled up to his joint <laughs> and just uh, busted his balls for a bit and uh, you know played a lot of shows around around there. Well, it's cool because you talk about that first night playing the the sparsely attended house show, the exclusive house yeah. show, we'll say. With, uh, yeah, yeah. with God's America, but you guys end up uh, playing Maryland Deathfest uh, soundstage with Unholy Grave, Rado Stay, Pareo, a, lo- a lot of bigger names in in your uh, particular area of, of music too. Yes, yeah, for sure, it was awesome. Yeah, man. Um, 
So, so I mean, any any stories that stand out? I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and just tick off every date. But are there any stories that stand out from that uh, internal Rot US tour, man? Any um, uh, highs <clears throat> or lows, so to speak? Uh, you know, there was, I don't feel like there was any lows. There was like a pretty uh, drama-free event, which was lucky considering uh, the three of us. Um, you know, I mean, Brad's a pretty chill character, but you know, me and Christoph can. Uh, fly off the handle occasionally and uh but no it was pretty good i mean we 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 played a uh, i mean obviously playing in la with all our friends and you know excruciating terror and you know having a just you know obviously if you like of our you know people we've always looked up to um you know uh, the guys are redacted you know from from the you know uh you know west bay kind of scene um from the 90s and uh, who we've always kind of admired and like, you know, all our acts have kind of, you know, you know, loves, you know, especially in you know, their faces burial as well, which is, you know, an immortal fate, you know, reference and, and all that West Bay stuff we love. So we play with them and Excruciating Terror on the same night. So that was a pretty big thing for, for the three of us. Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, all the shows are really good. We played up, you know, we played a lot of good shows up the West Coast and, and obviously MDF was great. Um, I'd played with uh, agents before uh, at MDF, and I, so I knew, kind of knew it was going to be, a, you know, a, a pretty easy event because it was so well run, and you know, everyone was so keen at that. You know, everyone's there for a reason, you know. So it was, wasn't like uh, there was any dramas there. A lot of fun, a lot of amazing bands. Uh, you know, I love that. I love that festival. Uh, and then it, the show, the show in, in uh, up in Canada, we played in Vancouver. Um, uh, across the border after playing in Seattle and uh, it, you know it's, apparently it's quite uh, hard to get across the border uh, we didn't really know that but because we're Australian apparently there's a lot of Australian punishers that go up there or live up there and they snow so the, the border crossing was pretty interesting considering who was in the car uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of trying to act cool but uh, it, it, uh, they, they pulled us over and grew with us for a while but you know the, the show in Vancouver it was like on a Tuesday night and it was wild. It was a really wild show. So that was another one that stood out. But yeah, no, it was a pretty, pretty tame, chill vibe. You know, we, we, we got up in mischief, but nothing, nothing too insane. <laughs> Shout out to Ohio as well. You know, we played Ohio and, uh, you know, we, 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 a lot of friends over there. So, yeah, no, shout out to all those guys. All right, cool, man. Um, and we do, I kind of want to, like, pause my narrative of the interview to make sure we get in the Patreon questions, because as I mentioned, we got a little bit more than usual for you. Uh, so I, I think it'll be good to kind of clean cut wrap up uh, for now um, with internal yeah. rot, because I want to plug, of course, you guys put out just last year Grieving Birth on Iron <clears throat> Lung Records, right? Yep, yep, Iron Lung and uh, 625. Yeah, uh, yep. Grieving Birth of the 2020 full-length album by Internal Rot. Um, and I, 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 I had heard somebody told me uh, the album cover. Obviously, it's maybe a little bit unusual if people don't know the context. Is is it uh, based on a movie of some sort? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of uh, a lot of questions about this, and <laughs> well, may, maybe I mean I, I feel like I lapsed in the research because I didn't look into the movie, but I also felt like I'm I'm kind of representing a lot of internal rot fans that are like what's up with the cover you know yeah yeah no no totally uh you know it's a it's a it's a point of difference in a way and 
it's something that I, I don't really, I can't really explain. I, I feel like it is what it is. <laughs> as bad as that answer is, it's from a movie, uh, and, and it's a particular actor, and it's the same screen we uh, used for, uh, and the same method we used for the mental hygiene cover, uh, which is from a film clip from a certain act. Um, and we, you know, we just we just keeping the theme together, and <laughs> you know, uh, much to the dismay of all the labels and the people that like the band. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not I'm not making a judgment call here. <laughs> I just I, I just want to um, ask you your explanation behind it. it also, yeah. it also sounds like you want people to read into it and figure it out for themselves. Uh, is, that <clears throat> fair, is that fair to say? Uh, I think that's fair to say. But okay, I, you know, it, yeah, it is a, it's a little bit of like. Uh, crossover you know in theme um from the two records but you know i, I like i like the ability to like uh, i like people to, <laughs> to 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 think for themselves and, and hate us uh, <laughs> accordingly <laughs> all right well well that's a perfect segue speaking of uh people uh, hating hating you we got all the, yeah. all the patreon listeners who love you enough to um have submitted all these questions that we got uh, and and we'll, and we'll take it uh, there, and then and then of course I don't want it to neglect faceless burial, but I think this would be a good way to kind of bookend things at the moment. Let's do it. All right, so uh, I'm going to pass it over to Tom now. T- Tom's over this there is with the, the Patreon. sound of my voice. Yeah, I have this open. Pardon my uh, my trip. Tell me if any of them happen. All right, so from G Chow, does playing the drums influence your vocal style? Do you think in terms of vocal rhythm and delivery, like a drummer? And vice versa. Do you let being a vocalist influence your drum patterns? Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, no, I mean, not really. I, I think I, I think I'm following it. Uh, I, I would say that uh, I keep my, I try and keep. Uh, how do I say this? I believe that I'm primarily a drummer. I've never considered myself to be, uh, you know, an extreme vocalist or something like that. You know what I mean? So. Right. More like uh, you happen to my, be doing vocals. I just happen to be uh, right time, right place, uh, saying yes to everything type situation. And uh, they were lucky. I was lucky enough to, you know, be in internal and like watch these guys rip. You know what I mean? And uh, as far as vocal delivery, I, I, I just try and make it. I think it was just at the time, just try and make it as brutal and as uh, loose as possible. Whereas the drumming would probably be. I would prefer to be as tight as I possibly could naturally without, you know, without playing to a click or anything, you know. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the difference. So pretty, pretty, pretty different, really. I, I don't have a, any specific idea on how to sing or, you know, I don't go in other than to be as loose and wild as possible, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Uh, next question is from Panic Chords, and he's from New Zealand. So, uh... Oh, yeah. He says, faceless burial are the shit! Exclamation point. Uh, I'm not sure if I got that across. Um, any chance they'll be making making it over the ditch someday? Per- perhaps maybe a show with Ulcerate? Um, you know, it, I, of, of all the places I've played, I feel like, you know, I haven't played in New Zealand, so it's definitely on the cards. Absolutely. I'd love to go play. It doesn't matter if we play with Ulcerate or anyone, just if anyone wants to book us when uh, when we <laughs> when we're allowed to move, um, we'll do it. You hear that, Panic Chords? Contact yeah, your local in. booker. It'll happen. Do it. It's gonna it's gonna happen. And he's got a few actually. Uh, how's the scene going over there with COVID dramas? And 
Tote and Bendy seem to be staying afloat. Just question mark. Do you think the scene <clears throat> will come back strong? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> the, t- the Tote and the Bendigo are like a long-running, um, you know, I guess DIY-ish kind of pubs, like housing rock and metal and stuff like that. So, and I don't see that changing in any way. And all the all the venues here um, in Melbourne are, are pretty well supported. I mean. I, Obviously, it's extremely hard, but um, I don't see the scene dying down anytime soon. I mean, we've, we've got we've got some shows coming up, but uh, whether or not they happen, but yeah, no, I, I think I, 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 I'm a firm believer in Melbourne being uh, able to recover. Hell yeah! Um, what tuning? Uh, what tuning does food use? Uh, <clears throat> uh, good question. I don't know that. I <laughs> You're a drummer. You're really not supposed to. It's, you know. Yeah. It's hit fun. him up. I'll hit him up real quickly. Uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, man, panic chords went hard. Uh, recommend us some Aussie tunes. Let's just do that later. Spe- yeah. He spelled right. the tunes. So, so and, yeah, uh, we, we do ask you to recommend stuff at the end of each interview. So maybe we'll just tack that on too. Yeah. We'll we'll give you a few extra slots. Uh, thoughts about playing black and open air in the future. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll play it. If someone wants to book us, we'll do it. I mean, I, I, that, that's the, if anyone, I'm pretty sure that's the one that's um, in the middle of the desert, uh, yeah, in Australia. So, yeah, we'll do it. It sounds like fun. I mean, no, <laughs> nobody was really expecting you to be like, no, no, no to New Zealand. <laughs> no, no, no to that. Like, <laughs> nah, you know, so we're really not that interested, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> Not, not no matter how much you pay me, no. <laughs> no, no. I think we're just no, creating hope here. here. We're really just creating hope, and that's good. Yeah. Um, uh, happy to keep it on as a trio, or do you think you might get a fourth person in? I guess he's talking about uh, Faceless still. Or, or Internal Rot. Oh, yeah, Internal Rot, that's also three piece. Yeah, no, I mean, Internal Rot will, will always be no bass. Um, just you know, it's the Melbourne way, uh, and then uh, faceless, faceless. We're we're pretty we're pretty happy at the moment, just being a three piece. We like we're we're pretty tight knit, kind of uh, as it is. So um, yeah, pretty happy at the moment. I think we're getting the job done. So you, <laughs> it you're, might change. All that. Well, both of your bands being three pieces, that must make it so much more fluid to be able to play shows and tour. That that's actually a really good point. Yeah, that's that's in the past. It's just been it's been quite nice to have, you know, a period of time when you're in the van. It's just like a couple of people, and you know, you can kind of like have a bit of downtime with each other or whatever. But you know, um, yeah, it's also handy just for just for writing. You know, we're enjoying it at the moment, so I don't I don't see it changing too much. It might be a case if we ever start playing shows. I don't really know. Yeah, who knows? But at the moment, three pieces is a good. Yeah, it's a way to go so far. Yeah. All right, and then uh, beers, beers, get on the beers. That's uh, all panic chords. Okay, from Antitoy, <laughs> Max. Both of your bands kick ass. What's a lesser-known grindcore album that you'd recommend for people who are exploring that subgenre? <clears throat> Oh, okay. Uh, I recommend. Uh, shit. Uh, one. Uh, 
uh, dead bodies everywhere, buy a bullet, rent a gun. Or uh, sewn shut, rediscovering the dead, maybe. I, I like those two a lot. Uh, would they be... I could, go, I could go on, man, like Parliamentarist Sodomai, the first album, uh, the, the One Man Project, I love that stuff. And Internal Rock used to cover one of his songs. Uh, 324 from Japan. Their, their first seven inch and their and their and their first album I, lo I love that band and I saw them maybe around 2004 2005 and they just just blew me away but anyway I mean I could talk talk a while about grind and stuff but um well, maybe we'll, some... we're gonna loop back around with some recommendations anyway so if you think of sure, anything else we'll do that. Um, all right from Andrew Walter I could be wrong but I don't think I hear any double kick on any faceless burial material, which really sets a unique sound, uh, already unique sound further apart. If I'm right, could you talk a bit about the decision to stick to the Church of One Foot Blast in faceless burial? Um, I've always, yeah, no, I've always played one uh, single kick. Uh, I, I've come, you know, you know, all my bands. I've had people telling me I should probably play double kick and I love obviously I love double kick I've just never been able to play it and it's never been uh, never been that comfortable for me to play <laughs> and I don't know I, I, I sometimes I get a little bit you know paranoid about letting down certain riffs that come in with Fuge and stuff but I, and, and but those guys I think they trust me enough to um, <laughs> to get through it with one 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 foot and uh, you know, in, in terms of like the church of one foot, you know, like I got a shout out to the Kill uh, and Jay for being a massive influence for me in Melbourne. You know, I, there was, uh, you know, he, he was the one foot one foot king, and I just, you know, all my earlier bands, Falafelmet and Agents, uh, playing with those guys a lot, and just watching Jay play it was just like, you know, he's so fast with one kick, you know, and I can, I'm, I, I'm just going to try and do that with agents and do that with every band I'm in and I kind of haven't really stopped yeah yeah if it's working man I mean it sounds sick yeah. I had no idea that uh, Jay from The Kill was a one foot dude that's pretty crazy one uh, foot one foot yeah yeah, yeah. I mean and Christoph's blast with one foot which is which is crazy but he he, he uses double in, in like slower sections right huh. yeah that's it's interesting it gives, it gives it kind of like a little bit more of a Power violence, kind of, uh, I guess, like hybridized influence on um, the sound there, because Faces Burial obviously has that <coughs> that d dark death metal sound that I want to get into uh, mm. once we wrap up these these Patreon questions. Yep. Yep. All right. So from Adam Moore, apologies if this has been covered before, but what's the deal with the album art for the two Internal Rot albums? Oh, <laughs> there you are. Uh, there a granny still of yeah, yeah. Kate Bush and another of Rebecca <laughs> Hall. What's going on here? Okay, so we already well, asked we already asked you to address that. So out of fairness, if you want to yeah, move yeah. on, we can. Or if you have something else you'd like to add, you know, by all means. Yeah, we got. I I, I got to voice everyone's question. Yeah, you know, it's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, Adam, thank you for the question. But, Thanks, uh, Adam. Appreciate that, brother. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were we saying, Max? No, you're good. No, no, you're good. I, I don't know. I've, I don't know how to answer that really uh, that well, other than you know, I'm incredibly sorry for letting everyone down. No, no, it's it's a, it's a little mystery. It's cool, man. So, um, what? Uh, so, what's the next one then, Tom? Uh, from Sean Newhart. What's the metal scene like in Australia? 
Um, I mean, currently it's it's uh, it's uh, Australia's pretty big. I should have I should have listed these. Nothing against Sean's question here, but I feel like we've gone from very specific things to very broad things. Maybe I should have listed them. Okay, definitely. But what do you think about what do you think about music? That's a question. I like music, you know. It's done well for me so far, you know. I know Australia. Australia is at the moment. Let's just go with at the moment rather than going into like you know. History and stuff. Which I mean, you know, but I, I feel like it's good. There's a lot of young, yeah, a lot of young uh, bands coming up. Um, there's there's a lot of lot of bands around Melbourne that we that, that Faceless uh, is playing with and Internal Rock's playing with. So you know, I think it's I think it's I think it's good at the moment. <laughs> what What do you think it is uh, that that ended up with so much of that kind of power violence and hardcore uh, influence grind? Why do you think that? Why do you think that stuff kind of flourished like it did in your area? <clears throat> um, I don't really know. I mean, it's we're, we're just fiends. I mean, look, look, you know, Melbourne is a, a pretty large city, like in terms of you know, on a, on, it's not it, it's a, it's a, there's nothing around it. You know, between Sydney and Melbourne, you got to drive like ten hours, and you know, there's, there's there's few rural stops you can go to, but both both all the cities in Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, they've got their own scenes, and um, but I, I feel like it's it's just a concentrated that that kind of massive concentration in an area that's that uh, it goes in waves in certain cities, and in Melbourne, it's always been pretty popular, and it's it usually. It can hibernate for a bit. Like grime is definitely in the 2000s. Grime was, you know, we we're having like 300 capacity, you know, shows. We had, you know, a lot of touring bands. Um, you know, for like a good 10 year stretch, we had a really good, really good scene and stuff. Uh, and that that kind of fell off the cliff a little bit, but still, there's still lots of good stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what's what 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 so how to describe why it's so prevalent here or, or how you know it's got a, people like wild shit i guess you know? <laughs> yeah a lot of the stuff i mean we were kind of talking about this a couple weeks ago will about like there's a like some australian acts just have a uh, a vocal style that is not found in the states at all like um right. like psychroptic and um damaged yeah. and terrorist and uh like yeah. king parrot just like more screechier yelling and it's uh i i love all I, that stuff like, i actually I really remember I mean, you're you're absolutely right, and I'm gonna kind of throw out an older band here too, because I remember going back, Undinism, if I pronounced yeah, it right, they had pretty particularly high pitched vocals too, right? Yeah, yeah, Undin- Neil, Neil, Neil Undinism, um, brutal band. Yeah, they're, they're from. Yeah, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there that high pitched, shrieky vocal style does seem um, particularly Australian uh, in, in a way. Yeah, I mean. I mean, the Undernism were a big one for for us coming up. You know, I, I was a bit younger when when they were playing. I saw them a few times, but uh, you know, Undernism and Warsaw and stuff like that from the from the area. Yeah, Warsaw, um, yeah. You know what I mean, like all that stuff. Um, a band called Heads kicked off. There's a lot of there's a lot of good bands like that come from that area that were kind of screechy, um, like fastcore grind stuff. Um, but the, the kill, the kill demo. I mean, not to keep harping on the kill, but no, they're important. Uh, the kill demo has got Neil from Undernism on it, mm-hmm. and I would say that's I would say that demo is 
I mean, you know, that's in my top 10, that demo, and that demo is brutal. Uh, and it got repressed on a 7-inch by 65, landed down the track. But yeah, that, that had uh, Neil on there as well. Okay. Um, any more Patreon questions, Tom? Uh, yeah, we got a couple <coughs> more. Okay. Um, so, Sweet. Stephen McDonald. Um, speciation was easily my top five last year in my top five last year so congrats on being a standout purveyor of original and extreme I found you oh. via me Sako uh, I tend to buy everything Jesus <coughs> releases unheard because I think he has his finger on the pulse how did you find Jesus and end up on an English label for vinyl at least uh, what's the relationship like and hope to see you in the UK soon that man may pronounce his name Jesus Jesus. Okay. Jesus. Well. Jesus. We, 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 you know, we call him our Lord, you know. How did, I just, how did you find Jesus? Sounded a little weird. Okay. Well, you, <laughs> some people ask that question. You know, it depends on what kind of meeting you're all going right, to. All right. All right. Well, listen, yeah. we'll save that for the mortification yeah. interview. All right. Yes. But, um, and, and I say that with reverence to, to mortification. Yeah. Melbourne, man. Great good, band. Good call, man. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, we, but we could talk that. Could you address uh, the question, <clears throat> sir? Oh, yes, so it was uh, Masako. All right, well, well, this is a good one. I mean, not a really good one, but, you know, <laughs> we he, he was the first person that we sent um, because we didn't, I mean, we had the demo, we did the demo, and then uh, just had we released it ourselves locally as we do and sent it out to, you know, labels that you like. And, um, and then we were like, you know, we're just going to do this album because the, the first album we did was... Kind of primarily, it's a bunch of demo songs re-recorded in the studio, um, and a few new songs that we had written that we thought would pair well, and just to get the first kind of, you know, the first batch of songs that we had been sitting on for years. You know, the idea of the band was going on for a long time, and so we finished that LP, and we even finished the artwork, like the painting on it. We did it all um, as a whole kind of wrapped thing, and we sent it to uh, a bunch of labels <coughs> that we we thought that would work with and and as this was the first label we sent it to um and you know you know we we, we sent it we sent like maybe like a couple like maybe two or three labels dark descent was another one um a couple of other i'm trying to remember what ones but um just a couple of things just in case we got a bite and we didn't get a bite from anyone <coughs> Uh, so we had my friends and, 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 sh- and obviously shout out to Iron Lung come through with the goods and help us out and we co-released it as a band with Iron Lung uh, but the, the funny thing was uh, the, the following uh, uh, the following EP um, Multiversal we were working with Blood Harvest and um, Jesus really wanted to be in on it <laughs> out of the blue and we hadn't really had much connection with him other than loving, you know, the label and loving what he does. And, uh, and he really, and as the question said, you know, he really does have a pretty unique uh, ear for certain stuff, especially in Europe. Um, so we, we kind of a long, long way around about it. You know, we kind of fell in, it fell into our lap really after trying to get him uh, the first person we ever sent our record off to to release. Uh, yeah. But no, he, he's 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 really great to work with. Um, we don't see it changing down the track, you know, for the next one and for continuing on. But yeah, I think that answers the question. I'm not sure. I think you covered it. Yeah, 
definitely. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's basically, the, the, you know, he's just a legend. Uh, he's really supportive of whatever we do. And um, we're, we kind of, we're, we were busting his balls about it. I was like, man, you didn't get the email. You didn't, we, you, this, we, this could have happened two records ago, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we could have, we could have, you could have been doing it. But, um, you know, it came, it came good in the end. Uh, and we're, we're, we're fucking stoked. Hell yeah. All right, one last question from Sam. Uh, what's it like for an extreme band coming up in Melbourne? I know compared <clears> to <throat> Western Australia and uh, Tassie, the scene here is a bit thrash-dominated. Did it ever make it difficult for you guys to get a foot in the door, uh, foot in the door to book shows? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we we've been doing it for a while now, like you know, <laughs> not 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 necessarily face bearable for other bands. So it's not like it's um, a new thing to to hustle and 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 know what works. But and and particularly compared compared to say like agents and you know. 10, 15, 20 years ago when we were like my bands were trying to book tours overseas or do things it was, it was a lot harder and now it's you know it's obviously a lot easier uh, in compared what was it compared to thrash bands or uh, yeah uh, apparently uh, I know compared to West Australia and Tassie the scene here is very thrash dominated I mean right yeah yeah I mean there's a lot I mean I, I there's a lot of different genres here that are pretty dominant and <laughs> a lot of different circles and scenes and stuff. So, uh, you know, it depends what everyone's um, point of view is. But yeah, yeah, no, no. For sure. No problem here. Yeah, and then uh, one more kind of tacked on from Sam, which is, mm. got any recommendations for some Melbourne death and grind acts you think aren't getting enough recognition they deserve? Also, no idea when you're recording this, but I'm fucking amped about the July show with Gutless. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, sick. Well, he's he's from Melbourne then. Uh, uh, sorry. What was the question? Oh, uh, any recommendations for some Melbourne? Oh, recommendations. Yeah, yeah. yeah for oh, yeah, someone who needs I mean, a little recommendation. Oh, I mean, I feel like Gutless and and Vile Apparition and uh, you know Contaminated, like uh, people that we play with pretty frequently. Um, they're, they're getting a little bit of. I mean, people, they're on Maggot Stomp, Gutless on Maggot Stomp, and, and Masako. Vile Apparition is definitely one that um, I think I feel like needs a lot more attention, but at the same time, they haven't released anything new just yet. Um, they did an album a couple of years ago, but they, they're they an incredible band uh, and, you know, incredible musicians, and uh, they're going to they're gonna hit us hard, I reckon, pretty soon with a couple of good records. Um, and in terms of uh, something from Melbourne, uh, death metal that people don't mind. Um, uh, well, uh, I mean, there's a few that I can think of. Maybe like uh, inju- there's a band called Injury to Eye. Uh, they did a uh, a CD or an EP maybe in the early thousands. Uh, I think path pathology something uh, something path pathology something uh, they did a, they did a, a really awesome record uh, it doesn't really get a lot of attention it, it has members of other bands from Melbourne but they, those guys were doing you know especially in the middle of the like primarily like the, the grind boom in Melbourne they, they were doing a more death metal kind of thing which 
um, has members of like Headless Death, currently uh, Roscop, uh, contaminated for a while. Yeah, injury to eye, definitely look out for. Uh, Magnesite was an, uh, an old 90s band. Safety in the Workplace was the, was the LP CD that came out. Um, another one I would recommend that didn't really get any attention. Uh, they got a reissue uh, quite recently. All right. Yeah. I appreciate that. And we'll stop you there because we're going to ask you to recommend some more stuff at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, so save, save some for later. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But the uh, one thing that we, we kind of touched on, before we give Faceless Burial their due, the Faceless Burial fans are ready to fucking wring my neck <laughs> right now. But one more yeah. thing that I want to ask you about, we touched on Mortification. Uh, they're from Melbourne, right? Yes, yes, I think, well, yeah, I believe they are, yeah. Well, you know, I, I obviously, I've never been to Australia, and I've growing up in death metal, Mortification has always been... Um, a, a very interesting act to me. I, you know, I, being a death metal fan, I kind of worship their first two albums. Don't really follow them as much afterwards, and it's very fascinating the Steve Rose story. It's definitely kind of a um, uh, you know off the beaten path story in death metal. I'm just curious if you ever had the opportunity to catch them live. Did they have a presence in the local scene? Was it the type of thing where maybe they were separate because they were part of that Christian metal scene? I don't know. Just your perception as yeah, someone yeah, who yeah. grew up around there. You know, they, they, they were... Um, I, I originally thought, was interested in them mainly because they're of their art and I'd seen it around a bit. And uh, I never saw them um, probably a bit before my time, especially when they... Yeah, they did all the last few records. But, you know, I know people that talk about them, but... Occasionally, very occasionally, not they're not someone or a band that I mean, yeah, they're not someone a band that I've really had many conversations with people about. If I'm honest, you know, that's that's a really good recommendation. You know, if, if you guys or many of the listeners are interested, you know, that 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 band is really great. Yeah, well, there's the the idea of Christian metal and Christian death metal yeah. and. A lot of those bands, regardless of where you stand in your beliefs, uh, personally, whether you can get something out of the music, I mean, that's a whole conversation in itself. Uh, but I personally have always had a lot of respect for Steve Rowe for kind of standing on his principles and making um, very credible metal, uh, you know, regardless. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, just being sure. from the area, your, your experience. But, but moving on and talking about your band, Faceless Burial. Uh, I believe you guys started uh, either in 2015 or a little bit before, based on when the demo came out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we started around 2014, 2015. Yep. Okay, so, I mean, I'm kind of like thinking, you know, we talked a little bit about your internal rot tour in 2014. Um, so I assume you started the band a little bit after that. I mean, is, is it like, were you approached by them or were you trying to get a new band going so you could keep, keep up, uh, action or like, how, how does it play in relation? Cause internal rots already busy and touring. How do you end up in another band? <laughs> Saying yes to things basically, but like <laughs> they, 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 I mean, Fuji and Alex are, um, are old friends and uh, of mine and those guys grew up together so they, they, they've known each other since they were kids um, and play a big role in why you know they're, they're so tight when they're, and their ideas kind of bounce off each other really well and probably another really good reason why we don't consider ourselves having another member really um, but they, you know Alex played in the band Cut Sick uh, with me uh, 
yeah, a number of years prior to that, prior to us starting. Uh, and we were always talking about, um, you know, play, playing in a metal band with Fuge. We, we really wanted, Fuge was like a metalhead. Um, they're both metalhead from way back, but none of them had been in a death metal band. Um, and I hadn't really been in a death metal band, you know, I'd primarily been in like whatever, like thrash, hardcore, grind, whatever. <clears throat> And it was something we, we always wanted to do together and just never really happened. We kept talking about it, um, you know, and then eventually I think Alex was just like, I've got songs, let's just go, let's just start this band, you know, start fucking around and that. And um, yeah, came, it came together pretty naturally. Okay, man. And, um, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned before, uh, fairly quickly after that, um, the Grotesque Miscreation EP, um, the, then eight, 2018's uh, Multiversal Abattoir EP. So you guys uh, were pretty busy. We talked a little bit about how be, being a three-piece, and, uh, and you, you just mentioned how those guys kind of grew up together, so that streamlines <laughs> the writing process a lot, right? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. They, you know, those guys are always bouncing ideas, you know, constantly, uh, and, and, they, and they know each other very well. So the writing process is pretty... Um, it's pretty easy when we get together. Makes sense hearing the band because I, I, I've talked sometimes on the show how I'm very fascinated by bands where maybe a lot of times it's like one drummer and one person playing all the guitars. But even this, it sounds like because the guys grew up together and know each other so well, there's just that element of uh, of tightness with one another, like uh, almost like a, a, like a psychic connection, so to speak, or something. You mm. know? I mean, there's. there's uh, the yeah, you're totally right. That, that, that really helps. I mean, and the, the flow of how the, the songs are arranged as well and understanding like, you know, you know, one person might not be great at communicating the thing, uh, but the other person understands what, what they're struggling with and, you know, just takes that on board and, 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 and molds it into something. So I think that when we get together, it's, it's pretty seamless in that respect for sure. Okay. And, and, now here's a question, a little bit off, the, off, like yeah. kind of faceless uh, burial related. But um, in 2009, um, while while you were still, I guess, uh, doing agents, um, and shortly be- <laughs> before Internal Rot, I have a number of projects you participated in. We talked about Cutsick, but the Brain Children EP uh, with the artist <laughs> Mikey Young. Yeah, yeah, Mikey, yeah. yeah. And then also you worked with uh, Anthony Pateras, a pianist. Yes, yes, I did. Anthony, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. guys, well, yeah, I mean, the Brain Children EP was interesting. Um, and then the... <laughs> the no, in, in, in all honesty, and because um, it's not... it's This is stuff for the listeners that you're probably a little yeah, yeah, not yeah. expecting if you know uh, Max from Internal Rod and Faceless Burial or even Agents. Yeah, yeah. And the... I, I think it's Pivixki. It's P-I-V-I-X-K-I. Is, is that the name of the album or the band with Anthony Pateras? <laughs> that's the name of the... the, the uh, yeah, the band. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's P I V I X K I. I found it came right up on um, YouTube. But the the, the what I want to get to that project in particular because you participated in a lot of uh, different projects. Um, it's really just drums yourself on drums and this guy playing piano, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. Does yeah. now, but it's structured in a lot of ways like grindcore and noisecore almost. 
Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the that's the intention. <laughs> so, does this guy have a background playing another instrument in in grindcore, or is this guy a pianist who wanted to branch out more into like extreme music format? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's quite it's a uh, it's a it's a longish story, but basically, that uh, Anthony is um, a pretty well regarded in Melbourne and in certain experimental circles in Europe. Um, as a you know, as a pianist, he, he conducts music. He, he you know he writes music uh, for people. Um, so he's pretty like heavily involved in uh, experimental music across the world. You know, uh, and he's from Melbourne. So he, he always had an interest in grind uh, and and metal, uh, and would come to my shows and come to my band's shows. So I, and I also, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of experimental music, and um, and I'm a pretty much a fan of a lot of music. Uh, and, uh, you know, people say that, you know, but I, I actually really am, and I have to be with my job as well. Um, so I think it, it it fell into place pretty easily with with Anthony because it, for me it was a completely different world to fall into, you know, with the experimental world. Um, and he was always pushing me to play with like, oh, why can't we play with, you know, why can't we play with like, fuck, I'm dead, you know? Why can't we play with, mm. you know, <laughs> you know, all the Melbourne, you know, bands? And I was yeah. like, man, you know, it's I, it's a different world, you know, like, you know, whereas that experimental world was quite um, eager to, to, or, you know, it was, it was easy to p- participate in, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Okay, so, well, yeah. I wanted to bring that up because people might think of there are some people who might just be familiar with certain projects of yours and think of you as like a grindcore drummer grindcore singer uh but that was really interesting to hear and you also like i said there's that uh brain children ep from 2009 uh with mikey young and then there was something else fairly it seems like in 2017 you participated uh in a project called rolling mass with a local art- artist carolyn uh sheffield if i got that right yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the prime, yeah, the, the prime Unity EP on Brain Dead Records. It's more like electronic music. I mean, I'm I'm a little <laughs> ignorant to that style. Yeah, I mean, Brain Children. Um, Mikey's an old friend uh, going back, and we, it was pro- we we were kind of you wanted to do a disco project, you know. <laughs> so anyone listening, you know, <clears throat> you know, don't judge me. <laughs> no, do judge me. But I'm proud of that record. I, I think it's a great disco record. I think it's you know it's it's interesting. And, and Mikey, if uh, a lot of people would be familiar with Mikey in like the garage rock kind of world, he does a, a few different projects from Melbourne. One called Eddie Current Suppression Ring and Total Control. Um, definitely more on the you know Australiana kind of rock and garage tip. But he's a he's a pretty well known musician here um, and. Uh, Carolyn we're playing with Rolling Mass you know with just a, a, a couple of you know ideas we had together just, just, yeah it's mainly just like experimental electronica techno mm-hmm. stuff yeah. yeah and and just for the if the listeners are jotting this down or want to uh, see what, what you're into with this side of things there was another <laughs> one in 2017 with Alex McFarling Replica Town that came out on yes. Hob- Hobbies Galore Records that's more a little bit more electronic in nature too yeah, so Alex is Alex from Face of Burial, um, and we did a just an experimental, like you know, jam in in the same uh, the same 
recording studio that record all the Faces Burial stuff and that was like five hours of, you know, throwing together some ideas and it came out nice enough to uh, release on his label. He actually does hobbies galore. So wow, okay. As a, yeah. All right, so we, we found a fatal flaw in my research that I didn't realize it was the same Alex from Faceless ah, Burial. Man. But that ties it all in very... That's that, that makes it more interesting because, like I said, there may be some listeners who only know you from the more extreme metal projects. And there you go. Yeah. The last one I mentioned, um, Replica Town is the record with uh, Max Cohane and Alex McFarlane of Faceless Burial. A different side. And I think that's all interesting. I'm not trying to put any of it down at mm. all. Uh, I like a lot of different type of stuff, too. And what brings me back to Faceless Bear, the reason I wanted to cover all those other projects you were involved in is because between Agents and Internal Rot, which you sing for, now you're, uh, you, you, you start Faceless Burial around 14, 15, 2014, 2015 on uh, drums. Do you have a different approach to drums based on some of this experimentation you've been involved in and some of these different genres? Because Faceless Burial is a different beast entirely in terms of <laughs> composition and technicality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's probably uh, my most, you know, the, the project that pushed me uh, structurally as well to, to, to be better, or not necessarily be better, but just to really go along and, and, and you know, communicate what Fuge is trying to push out, what Alex is trying to push out uh, as, as tight as possible um, and to be like, you know, you know, have everyone's got their influences and, you know, um, but to make sure that we're honouring like, a, a, we're, 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 I don't know, how do I explain it? We're trying to make a really good death metal band and metal band in general and my background in, in metal drumming isn't, you know, um, isn't extensive, so uh, you know. I, I just wanted to try to bring a little twist and keep it keep it uh, interesting enough for people that like metal to not think we're you know dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an interesting yeah. t- twist too in the context of you coming from that Melbourne uh, like hardcore power violence grindcore a kind of a, a mm. scene. And applying mm. that to death metal, it's just a different twist on things, man. So mm. it's interesting. Sure. It, it, you know, it just uh, uh, colors it in a little bit um, better yeah, that definitely. way. And speaking of Faceless Burial, I know from social media, you guys have actually booked time to record uh, new material this year, right? Yep. We're, yeah, we're going in to record uh, the next album in October. Yep. Awesome. Is, is there anything you can disclose about that, or uh, are you keeping everything under wraps? Just in, ter- <laughs> in terms of maybe a variation in the sound, or, or anything, or uh, uh, thematically, anything you're working with? Or? Yeah, I mean, we're we're just. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if people like um, speciation, uh, I think well, I hope they'll like the next one. It's pretty much. <clears throat> I feel like it's a more consolidated. Uh, brutal version of that record I feel like those ideas I think that you can kind of in the catalogue so far even though it's only a couple of records you can kind of see that um, how we started is not necessarily how we wanted the band to be projected <laughs> where, where, when, when Speciation landed I feel like that was where we originally saw the band being you know what I mean um, so it's I think it's just a hyper version of Speciation, the next record, uh, and I hope uh, people like it. 
Okay, man. And um, so people can look forward to that. As I said, 2020, uh, you did release um, Grieving Birth with Internal Rot, uh, which uh, you provide vocals for, and Speciation, which you just talked about, um, which you drum for Faceless Burial, just for (laughs) for the listeners. Uh, And one thing that I did also pick up in the research is U-B-I-K. Is that how you pronounce it, or is it Ubik? Ubik, yeah. Ubik, yeah, which is... um, Again, popping up in a genre maybe people wouldn't associate you with. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not that knowledgeable of punk, uh, but to mm. me, it sounds like more of a traditional roots. Uh, if I could dare to say, maybe more like American influenced uh, punk. Because I thought of the Stooges. Mm. I don't know. Do you want to get into that a little bit about how you came? Yeah, from? man. Are you a, are you a founding member of that band, or you did you join that band? I am not a founding member. No, <laughs> uh, I. They, they, they are kind of similar to how I started with Cut Sick. I mean, they had a um, drummer that they were using that, that wasn't, I mean, was a bit non-committal maybe or, uh, you know, not Ubik per se, but just, just the, the direction of the band they were kind of wanting to go in. I could sense, I could see that they were, um, need a little bit more of a, I, I think I understand what this band's going for. Um, and Ubik, I was just—it's uh, just about saying yes, you know. Hmm. Again, <laughs> you, no, I don't just keep saying the same thing. But uh, Ubik was like for me; they, those girls were like uh, really—they uh, were a great punk band. They understood like you know Stooges. They understood like you know Californian punk, adolescence, mm-hmm. or you know just their own their own thing. Um, and and uh, you know, uh, uh, for me, it was just an interesting band to join. Um, and they were playing a lot of shows and they were playing with bands that because I've been primarily focusing on you know like grind and as you say power violence or like you know metal and for a lot of years since stopping playing in a lot of hardcore bands as much as I've tried to play in those kind of bands the Ubik thing was just more about it was a selfish thing in a way I just thought because I'm getting on (laughs) in age I thought it would be nice It'd be nice, you know, especially with punk. Punk is definitely, if you, you know, you blink and there's, the scene's gone and, and you blink and then there's a whole new crew of kids come through and, um, in spirit, well, it's like that in Melbourne and Australia. I feel like uh, if you lose touch, you, you really lose touch. So Ubik for me was also a selfish thing because I really like playing with those girls um, and I understood what they were trying to do for the band. I thought I could help that a little bit. And, um, you know, for me, it was just about playing more shows with bands I've never heard before and bands I wouldn't go see because I'm boring at work or, you know, going to band practice, you know. Getting out of the comfort zone a little bit, so to speak. That's it. That's it. And I do like that's a good thing. And you say those girls, the the band, when you joined the band, did you replace a, a, a woman who was a drummer? No, I replaced a dude. Okay, and, and just to explain for listeners who don't know, the band is three women and yourself. Yes, yeah. So I was just wondering if it was like a, a quote-unquote all-girl group uh, before you joined. But that's interesting, too, because in death metal and grindcore, it's very common where you might have one woman in a group full of men, and you kind of mm. have a flip of the experience there where you're, you're one man in a group for, full of women playing mm. music. Could you could you speak to that experience a little bit? Because that's that's I would imagine that's the first time you've been in that type of situation. Yeah, I mean it's, uh, it's probably the first time I've 
played with everyone else being in the band because it was uh, a girl but you know or it, the experience was was good it, like it was kind of going the same in line with like playing different shows it was the great experience playing uh, these shows that uh, you know if I wouldn't normally attend more than one show a year or something I was kind of playing them you know pretty regularly and I was it, the, the, the best part about it for me was just playing to like playing in, playing in bands with a lot of a lot of the other bands were shared members uh, that were women or the, sh- the shows were you know highly attended by uh, women or booked by women and, and you know it was it's, it's just a it's a different experience it's, it's not necessarily you know that much different I didn't take it on board as like this you know you know ultimate privilege more to say it was just um, you know awesome you know it was, it was good to see it was, it was good to be around different people that's for sure yeah well it's a new experience it's kind of a, a flip on um, some of the normal stereotypes about underground music um, and, uh, you know, I guess also uh, we learn more and more, um, uh, you know, w- women have to stick together, I think, in the underground music community a lot of the time, too, man. Unfortunately, there are those situations out there that people get put into. Um, and, you know, there are those people with bad intentions, man, so. Mm, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that, that that's, I just wanted to uh, hype that a little bit. You guys actually, you went to Japan with that band, right, on the release of the last album? Yeah, we did a we did a uh, yeah Japan tour just before uh, the pandemic. So <laughs> we were over we were over when it was popping off in China, and we we're uh, a bit like, oh shit, how do wow. we get home? Wow. Um, and then I actually stayed on for work, so I stayed on to buy some records for work, and uh, and you know really really uh, called it fine. <laughs> wow. Well, I I know it's probably not as glamorous as it seems, but staying staying extra time in Japan after your tour with your band to buy records and that's part of your your day job that's like the coolest thing that anyone said on the podcast in recent memory yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you know I, 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 I maybe at that point I took it for granted no I didn't take it for granted <laughs> I, was, I mean I've been working so many terrible jobs in my life this is just one that I can I, I can comfortably say that I'm, I'm really ecstatic about <laughs> well let me ask you this. I know you said you've kind of like uh, changed the way maybe changed your perspective on record collecting after that unfortunate um, mm. incident uh, with your collection back in the day but in the in, in buying records for the record stores stock do you ever have conflicts where you're like no that's for me you know like you got like this one's coming home with me you know things like that <clears throat> all the time that's that's pretty much it that's, right, that is the job. You got to like fight that urge for every or almost everyone you get, Dude, right? That's 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 the job. You know, that's the job. That I mean, it's, what is it? Is it about me or is it about making the shop look good so people keep coming back? And then you know, you build a you build, you build a reputation for a place that has good records. You know? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> hard, very hard, very hard. Uh, there's been a couple of things. I mean, you know, my, my I've got a three month rule. You know, if something's on the wall, especially like you know, a really good record that I know that. I mean, I don't have anymore, or I've never had. Um, you know, if it's on the wall, you know, in everyone's face, three months, then I'm allowed to buy it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, one more quick question, because I'm fascinated about the record buying thing. 
Uh, you know, I like a lot of people, I recently just got a Discogs account. I broke down and did it, and I've kind of been, like, ser- you know, mm. searching around, seeing what's rare, seeing what's what's high-priced just for fun. You know, I don't really, mm. I don't spend a lot of money on it myself, but I'm kind of just getting used to the website itself and the service itself. And, like, there's there's certain records, like um, K- uh, uh, Cadaver from um, Norway's first album, Hallucinating mm. Anxiety, Cemetery mm. from Sweden's first album, um, the, the, the an evil shade of gray that are just worth ridiculous amounts of money and there's allegedly bootleggers doing stuff like like how do you first of all do you ever run into that where you have bootlegs and you got to check to make sure it's not a bootleg and have you ever run into those holy grail of metal albums out there um yeah i mean yeah the, the, the bootleg thing's funny because it, especially in the last couple of years when we've had to switch focus from secondhand records and buying um you know wholesale goods from distributors and stuff you'll find that i mean we've found like things where it's like man there's a sealed record that comes in of like you know like a hip-hop record or you know it's all grainy the cover's weird the the stickers are the labels are weird and man i'm you know you paid like 25 30 bucks landed australian for something you know and it looks like a boot and i felt like i had more of those from current you know you know manufacturing problems than i have experienced you know out in the wild buying <clears throat> secondhand records um and you know all those kind of records those kind of holy grail records um you know definitely I've definitely run into a few of them i can't i don't think i've seen the cemetery before but the discogs thing you know that's a that's a really uh, i mean it's, it's probably its own you know podcast in itself you know like what how how buying works for record stores, how do people, you know, everyone knows the worth of what they own, you know, so like, it's, 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 a, it's a really, it's a, it's a hard one because, you know, our price points are, you know, fluctuate pretty heavily, but they also got to represent, you know, it's, we, we got to be able to buy the records in the shop as a person and, and on our wage. So you always see people with their phones, everyone's got their phone out checking in Discogs immediately if they, if they want something. Um, and yeah. it's just the way of the world. I, I tend to be a little bit of a caveman. That's why I waited until about two weeks ago to finally get it. I broke down. You know what? You know what <laughs> happened? I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, I read the Finnish death of the Rotting Ways to Misery, the Finnish death metal book, and I read the Swedish death metal book within like a month of one another. And I just broke down and had to look some stuff up, man. But I don't go crazy with the money, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 a tough one, and I fully appreciate, like you know. That it's tough, for, you know, these days for anyone buying records, especially off the internet. But um, it's 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 a it's a it's a weird, it's a, definitely a weird conundrum, you know. Like as a as a as a, as a shop owner, I want to like make sure people are, you know, really they walk away satisfied, and we still actually make enough money to put the lights on. And um, yeah, so it's certainly a debate. And there's there's you know there's times when I've been like, man, I fucking paid too much for this thing, you know, like. Just, just on excitement alone, being in a different city or on tour or you know, traveling, and then and then discovering Discogs a couple of years, you know, back, and then looking at stuff like, man, I, I pay way too much for this record. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. definitely the flip side for it as well. You know, like, oh man, what did I do that for? Well, there's there's that. See, the thing that I've talked to with some other record collectors, um, not that I'm some crazy record collector, I just buy metal records, but uh, you know, I try to be knowledgeable. Is that 
what you what you really are not going to see and you're seeing less and less and less to the point where it's extinct is finding those rare records that the record store owner doesn't know are rare because they don't know anything about metal that kind of exactly. is going away because there were those, there used to be those mom and pop record stores where you'd find some, I don't know King Diamond or some crazy record and they just you know it was just in the bargain bin because they had no idea what it was you know that used to happen exactly. a lot if you talk to the older record collectors but that's kind of a thing of the past now too oh absolutely man I mean, you know geez you know it's very rare for us to have something come over the counter um, you know as a as a shop owner uh, you know with someone be like. Oh, just give me a couple of, give me a buck a buck a pop. You know what I mean? Like, give me whatever. Like everyone's got their price. You know, so like I, I know this is rare. I know this would look good in your in your shop, and this is how much it is. (laughs) So you know, and you would slap you want slap them and send them packing with the (laughs) records. Yeah, you yeah yeah you. I mean, fuck. You know, you know. Then you you get the you get a bad review or something. (laughs) Ah, well. Man, this internet thing's a bitch, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, now can people start understanding? Like, when when people like me that are like approaching forty or over forty say that 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 the underground music scene was cooler before the internet, we're not trying to knock other people for being born later. We're just saying it was kind of more obscure and magical. All right, just letting them know they missed out. Yeah, I understand. I, I try not to bring it up that much because I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but it's that's true. That's the biggest lie you've ever told on the show. Oh, I try not to bring it up that much. <laughs> all right, all right. I try not. I never said. I try not to blatantly bring it up without acting like I'm bringing. I try to bring it up casually. All right, but listen. Something I'm not going to be casual about is the fact that we've had you on the horn for a while now, Max. We appreciate um, you being so indulgent of us with your time, and we always ask you to wrap up the episode. We're going to give you the opportunity to plug anything you want at the end, but right before that, we ask you to recommend one new album and one older album by any artist you like metal or otherwise just to recommend some stuff and what what was the recommendation that we were going to wait for at the end oh um hold on patreon well tom's going to look that one up so why don't you give us your old one and your new one oh i think it was a kind of a general one um just recommend aussie tunes from panic chords and uh Aussie tunes. Yeah, just some Aussie tunes. I mean we've been talking about a lot right. of Aussie tunes. Alright, so. so let's let's yeah, let's yeah. let's do this. Let's hear your old and your new recommendation of, of any any artist from anywhere in the world, any genre, and then give us like a hot like top three Australian <clears throat> artists we should we should check out from, from from around the world. Oh man. Okay. No um, pre- no pressure. Uh, no, you're good, no, it's good. This is good. This is good. Uh, you know, um so I think the, the, the I keep trying to find a new album that I'm like you know this is this is going to top this record but for me the the Mephitis or Mephitis Offscurings or I'm trying to trying to remember the name of the album they did a they did an album called uh, Ember Dawn yeah um, I, I think I, they're I know the Mephitis yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, I mean I, I they did a recent record and I think that's um I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's uh, yeah. I think they're really incredible. I think uh, the songwriting is is, is pretty uh, amazing. Um, that's so that's a newish one that I keep kind of going back to, and I think that for me at the moment it's probably my favorite record so far this year. Um, and an old one, I um, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Dawn, uh, Slaughter Sun. Keeping it a bit more blackened at the moment because we've been on the, you know, 
Dawn's Little Son. I think that record is a killer. Uh, Dawn from uh, from over in Europe and really just brutal blasting black metal stuff. You know, I think we're going 96, 97. Definitely something that I keep coming back to over the past few years. And my man, this is this is this is is this this is the best record I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dawn. And uh, the the other one was Mephitis uh, or Mephitis, new one. Yeah, yeah, those guys are killer. I think their their old albums really amazing too. But they did a new one recently, um, you know. And I, I dare to say that they might get more questions about their art than Internal Rock. But you know, uh, it's you know it's not a great looking package. Were, were, they, the, were they the guys that used did did Turk or Rantanen the 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 Finnish artist? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the old cover. He did the old cover. No, this one's pretty different. I uh, just got a picture of their faces on it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a killer record, though. It's amazing. Okay, all right. Well, the, you guys, the, it'll look nice next to uh, Internal Rot's uh, latest album, then. Yeah, the get board. them both, put them together. Yeah, man. Um, and then, just quick, top three Aussie artists, uh, just, just for us uh, around the world that want to check out something new uh, or something old from Australia. Right. Um, what, I mean, it's boring to say something like disembowelment, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people know, you guys, your, your fans know those kind of bands, right? Yeah. Well, disembowelment, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, I would say like next tier down. Psych- psychroptic. Tier down. Yeah, don't, yeah. yeah, no no psychroptic. People know that. You know, nothing against yeah, that. Yeah, okay. No, like, yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I already said, I already said Magnesite, and uh, I think they're, they're a good one to check out. Okay, you know, for sure, Roscoe, easily. Roscoe, um, spelled R-O-S-K-O-P-P, and I know that there was a Denver grind band called Roscoe as well. Mm. But Roscoe, from Melbourne, they were around, uh, in, you know, in the thousands, and they split up around 2010, when, around 2009, 2010, I think. And Christoph from Internal Rots uh, was in the band. Uh, Zev from Headless Death, uh, like it's a bit of a you know and Jake from Agents Garbage Guts who, who moved to LA all that stuff but they, they, they did an album called Mutation Voodoo Deformity or Disease and I think that is one of my favourite grindcore albums ever released I think it's just brutal it's got a beautiful mix of like death metal and just unhinged kind of grindy parts um and uh what else uh Anacubulus, uh Dark Divinity demo. Uh, you can spell that E N C A B U L O S. They did a demo, like a late '90s kind of demo, Dark Divinity. That might be up your alley, Will. Check that out. Uh, what else? So, so it was number, number, man. If you if you haven't if you haven't heard the Kills demo, dude, get on that for sure. Uh, what else? Um, one more, one more. Well, I would say the war, war sore if you're going to recommend the kill to people. Absolutely. I mean, I was at war sore, the kill, you know, Captain those Clean kind Off. Of, Captain Clean Off. Yeah. I mean, now, sure, we, now yeah. we can just get into it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, let, let the ball roll. <clears throat> what about um, Acheron or Abremelin? Would that be something? That, I think that would be a good. Oh, a, a Bremelin, I'll admit, I'm a little ignorant to a Bremelin. I, I, I think I was looking something of theirs up a few months ago, man. I got to go back to that. 
I think that's a good one. A Bremelin and that's, a Prestige band. A, a Bremelin is a very long-running old-school band, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to them. I was looking them up a while ago, man. Okay. Cool. Cool. Early, early '90s. Um, you know, mid '90s death metal from Melbourne. Um, yeah, I think that's a good. That, that might be a good one if people weren't, weren't aware of them. Definitely check that out. It's a good one for me. I don't care about anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, good one for good one for the New York heads too as well. You know, yeah, it's got yeah. it. All stuff right, there. all right, cool, man. All right, so we got a lot of Australian death metal and grindcore covered in this conversation. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast in itself, really. Um, sure. a, a country rich, and I, I interestingly enough, guys, is this our first Australian guest? Yes. Okay, so we did it. We, you know, we're because the thing is, like, look, if I if we focused on one country at a time, then we wouldn't get time for other countries. So we did, you know, we hit Africa, uh, the continent of Africa, and the country of Botswana. We hit Finland. We talked to uh, Seppo from Demigod. Now we hit Australia. We hit you. We're trying to hit everybody here and there. We, you know, we hit Germany. We hit, you know, we try we try to hit everywhere, and then we still got to focus on the United States. So it's tough. Uh, I'm just saying this for the listeners because we get all these recommendations of who we should hit up and everything. It's tough. So we're just trying to sprinkle a little bit of love everywhere. And tonight, uh, Max, we're so glad that you could join us from Australia and be our first Australian guest. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks for time, dude. Yeah, so no, as we always close out, we want to give you the opportunity to plug anything uh, that you got and any final words for uh, fans of your music and um, uh, listeners of our show no just you know I really appreciate being here and uh, on your show it's awesome I'm very stoked to be the only person you'll ever speak to from Australia <laughs> wait um, he's gonna kill us now what, that, what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know no, we, we got a record coming out um, Internal Rot's got a a record at Split coming out with uh, Mephitic Corpse from over the west coast of the US. Um, you know, and uh, thanks thanks for anyone that cares enough to listen to us, listen to bands from Australia, and, uh, you know, because it's, you know, obviously it's a lot easier now, but it, 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 it never used to be for sure. And, um, and shout out to, like, our South Australian friends, uh, West Australia, Southeast Asia, you know, all those guys over in Japan, and, you know, keep, keep, keep that kind of continent uh, the area of uh, the world in your in your uh, in your ears if you can, you know. Sure. Yeah, I'll keep it in my sights yeah. too, man. I'd, li- I'd like to come visit. Sights. The st- yeah, get down the st- here. I'm gonna I'm gonna come visit the store as soon as it opens up. All right, we'll get a picture of my face on the wall next to the uh, yeah, right. the grieving birth record. It'll look cute. Um, <laughs> but Max Cobain, yeah, right. thank you so much for your time this evening. We appreciate uh, yeah, everything, and also I hope uh, you know I wish you the best with the store and with the bands. Uh, this COVID shit has been crazy, man. We hope everybody uh, has a much more prosperous uh, future. That's it. I totally, totally agree. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, All right, brother. Take care, man. Thanks. All right. Speak soon. chose to spend the last hour and a half listening to our interview with Max Cohane of Faceless Burial, Internal Rot, formerly of Agents of Abhorrence, and The Searches Record Store in Melbourne, Australia. However, 
You may not have. You may have been watching the brand new Space Jam movie. I, I don't know. Are you a multitasker? There's Time a lot to of get ways out. to spend an hour and a half. I, you know, it gets crazy. But I feel, but, yeah. 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 Either way, just regardless <laughs> of what bad choices you made, we thank Max for spending uh, his morning with us. It's it's the that's it's Tuesday, Friday night morning. I don't know what's going on on Heavy Hole Podcast, but it was Wednesday morning for Max. Just to add to the confusion, now. we spoke yeah. into the future. Uh, we got down low from down under. Yeah. Leave it to me. If I ever got the magical power to speak to someone in the future, I would just like interview a grindcore drummer and be like, "Oh, what's up? What's going on with that old power <laughs> violence shit you went to?" I, I wouldn't even. I would just squander it. If yeah. I could talk to a band from the future, I'd be like, "Dude, um, let me know when your demo's coming out, so you'll be the first one to get it." Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then can you break up real quick? Yeah, I want. To, yeah. Oh, <laughs> write something extra sick. Oh yeah. boy. Yo, uh, yeah. Can you write something cool? Listen, I don't know if people can write something extra sick or write something cool, but I know they can say something extra sick or say something extra cool when they leave us a voicemail. 631-837-3274. You want to vent? You want to complain about something? Yeah. That's music-related, hopefully. If it's not, I mean, I guess do it. You know, but, uh, yeah, you got you're a recommendation. Here. You're yeah. listening to music. If yeah. You're not, you know, if you're listening, you're not seeing something, say yeah. something. You're not okay. satisfied with Max's explanation of the internal Rod album cover. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally not, but he's a nice guy. So yeah, we'll get on it's, it's a little bit of mystery to the band, whatever. If you don't see something, say something. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's okay. See, shit, I better call this number. <laughs> call 631-837-3274. Yeah, pretend That's like right. a cable's out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if the cable really is out <laughs> and you need some more content to watch, you can always go to uh, heavyholepodcast.com, subscribe to us on Patreon, give generously, and we'll give you some extra content. To, uh, to watch by candlelight on your smartphone, sucking up all your data because the Wi-Fi's out, because mm-hmm. the power's out. Ha ha. No, it's not funny. I'm sorry. Um, go to heavyholepodcast.com also. The links are all there. You want to follow us on the social medias. Shout out mm. to Facebook. I'm looking into it. I got I to gotta get back on Facebook. I don't know what happened. People couldn't see the post. It's crazy. I didn't talk about any conspiracies. I didn't, it wasn't me. I got hacked. No. Um, but yeah, Instagram, Twitter, it's all working. You can do that. Justin, we got merch. I don't know, dude. We get more. I feel like you get more listeners if you just said you were canceled on Facebook. We, if we were canceled on Facebook, we'd be killing the listeners right now. But yeah. the Instagram's working. Check all it right. out. Let me yeah. think of something extreme. <laughs> uh, let me think of something extremely immature and ignorant to do in public. We'll, we'll work on that. I'm gonna yeah. try, I'm Besides gonna, singing death metal bands for 25 years, it'll be a stunt. The merch is good right now. I checked our orders. Um, and guys, we have one. We have one order. And I'm about to send it out as soon as we get out of here. I'll send it out early Monday morning, which is the next business day. And uh, it's great. So, yeah, you can get all that merchandise, that white T-shirt. It's going to be fun uh, when you wear it. Uh, when you go to your mailbox and you get the package that uh, your parents never sent you when you went to the summer camp. And all we, your friends were we opening up you. these packages. We got you. And, uh, yeah, now, now you're going to get a nice uh, just a bundle of love, a bundle of joy. It's so really what it is. It's a bundle of joy. One. That's the last one? No, no, there's no just the order on deck. Yeah, there's only one order on deck. Right. Oh, there's only one order on deck. Yeah, yeah. no, there are thousands of shirts sent out already and, and tens of thousands left to go. I saw that you used them to patch the roof. Oh, that was weird. Um, I do, I do appreciate you handling all of our merchandise, Justin. Yeah, you don't? No, I do. Oh. I do because I'm not <laughs> good with these Look, things. When it comes to the heavy old podcast team, there's there's a certain amount of people that can take that task. How many is it, Tom? <laughs> 
Just one Justin. That's, you're supposed to say one. Oh, yeah. Dude, one. You know I don't appreciate you handling <laughs> I said that.